I hate to say how badly I was crushed by this. I was crushed. This is Heart of the Story, and I'm Nadine Kenny Johnstone. I believe that stories save us, and that's why I've spent my life immersed in books. First as a writing professor, and now as an award-winning author who leads women's writing and wellness workshops and retreats. I find that no matter how zen we strive to be, life rarely goes as planned. But stories are our steadfast companions. And since the last few years have brought huge transitions to everyone, including me, I wanted to talk to other women who have lived real lives and have been audacious enough to share all the messy, joyous, complicated bits. I thought I could learn a thing or two from them about writing and healing and about, well, being human. And it's been one of the greatest thrills of my life. So join me for powerful conversations with today's top women writers and wellness experts who go beyond the surface level and into that deep, raw, honest place, the heart of the story. Hi, friends. So sneak peek next week, we are going to be talking to an incredible author who wrote a book about friendship, like a major book about friendship. It's such a good conversation. And in the meantime, I wanted to speak with you about this very topic because it's been so much on my mind thinking about friendship, especially as a 40-year-old woman who's had many different groups and types of friends and as a person who has moved many times. So that has shifted friendships. And it's gotten me thinking a lot about friendships that have morphed over time and whether or not to resuscitate that relationship or pull the plug, so to speak. And I know I'm not alone in this. I know that we've all been at that crossroad of really thinking about what to do with a relationship that has morphed. And so I want to dive into this today. So let's go. This past summer for me was truly a summer of reunions. And really the last couple of years have been focused a lot on reunions. And so this idea of the reunion has been really fresh on my brain, but also I subscribe to Shauna Nequist's Substack newsletter. And she described this importance of reunions in such a way that it, it spoke to me really deeply. She's one of my favorite authors. And a few years ago, she moved from Illinois to New York City with her husband and two sons. And I'll just read you a couple sentences from what she said, because this past summer for her was also a summer of reunions. And she said, what happened this summer felt like a needle and thread stitching back close some relationships that I've treasured for a long time, but that had stretched apart a little bit for all sorts of reasons, right? So a stretching and then a stitching back. And then later she says, here is to old friends, to family, 
to unrushed connection and reconnection, to letting things stretch and then letting them swing back close, all according to the rhythms of life and change and the unfolding of time. Hmm. I think her vocabulary really resonated with me because we've all experienced a stretching of friendships. And then sometimes a regathering, a reunion can feel like a stitching back. And it can be incredible, can also be painful. It can be all sorts of things. And that's what I've been ruminating about. This past year, I and almost all of my girlfriends from college turned 40. Big milestone for this group. And when I was in college, I had kind of two core groups. I had a group of friends that I met via my one close friend's sorority group. And then I had my group of friends that I met through my sorority. And then even those two groups kind of blended together too sometimes and got to know each other. And when I say sorority group, I know uh, automatically there might be some cringing here. Um, It was some of the things that you think about when you think sorority, like party scene in college that shouldn't have been nearly as much partying as there was. But also it was so many things that you don't think of when you think of sorority. Like when I think of those friendships, I think of us in our pajamas sitting around in the dining room, talking, studying, laughing, being our true selves. That's what I think of when I think of those friends. And the friends that I met within my sorority house were a group of really funny, intelligent, kind-hearted women. So I experienced in college the deepest level of friendship that I have ever, ever experienced. It was like, finally, I was being seen for who I was and accepted for who I was. This combination of a total nerd and someone who loves sarcasm, someone who is a deep introvert and loves to read and go on walks, but also likes being social and with friends. These people saw me and loved me for who I was. So over the past two decades, you can assume safely that our lives have overlapped, but also diverged in many ways, depending on who lives where and all sorts of factors. And what I was delighted by, though, was that when I moved to Massachusetts, while those friendships were a bit strained, still many of those friends came to visit me, so that kept the friendships alive. But then when I moved back to Chicago, it kind of reinvigorated those friendships. So we moved back to Chicago in 2014 when I was around 31, our son was a year old. And all of a sudden there was a rekindling and a reuniting and and seeing each other much more often, these two groups of college friends. And we had like a ladies who dine group where we would meet at a nice restaurant in the city once a month and have a good dining experience, but also it was like a, a standard date on the calendar so we could see each other. And we all came from different areas of the city and suburbs. And it was a chance to connect. And then 
you know, other friends I would see at the kids' birthday parties, things like that. But then during the pandemic, things shifted because we couldn't see each other. And I found that it was the biggest strain on our relationships because people, rightly so, created their own bubbles of who they felt safest around and closest to in a vicinity. And there wasn't room for that many people, depending on your level of safety and comfort about going out and reconnecting with people. And so that really shifted things. I know it did for me. I saw it happen with other people. And there was also this sort of divide that started happening too, where people who were living in the city and might not have a kid or uh, an immunocompromised person to be concerned about, just felt freer in going out to restaurants and bars in a way that maybe other people didn't. And it's not getting political at all, but that's just the fact of the matter of, you know, there were different comfort levels. And so the friendships started becoming divided based on who could meet up when, who felt comfortable meeting up, who didn't. And so I saw the stretching begin to happen, but it was almost kind of tricky and secret because sometimes I didn't realize it was happening until I would see pictures on Instagram (laughs) of things that I wasn't invited to. And it didn't just happen to me. It happened to many different people where you started to see, oh, okay, this big group has kind of subdivided into smaller pods. And it's just what started happening naturally, depending on who lived closest to whom, who felt more comfortable with whom, so on and so forth. And then on the flip side, there were people that I felt closer to and more comfortable with that I would meet up with and unintentionally reject or disinvite or not invite other people, not as a means of being mean or rude, but simply a comfort level, right? And so it was happening on both ends. Then as things started shifting and lifting, one of the things that I noticed is that we were all kind of planning different gatherings for 40th birthdays, (laughs) little trips, little parties. I was invited to some of them and I organized my own sort of gatherings as well. But in particular, one night a few months ago, I was sitting on my couch and I looked at my phone and I don't truly, honestly, I don't scroll that much through social media. It's just not healthy. But I happened to open up to post something and about an author who I'd spoken with on the podcast. And the first picture was of a 40th birthday trip that a few of my college friends had gone on that I was not invited to. I hate to say how badly I was crushed by this. I was crushed. I cried. I felt a pit in my stomach. I 
felt like I was in middle school again. It felt awful. It felt absolutely awful. And I almost hate being this vulnerable because it feels so exposing that I, a 40-year-old woman who's been through my own fair share of real hardships, was so devastated by this evidence of this trip that I was not invited on. But I share with you because I figure I'm not alone here. And when I finally had the time and space to think about it, I realized a few things. One, I hadn't been in contact with the people who were in that group with most of them in a good while. And it was two-sided. They hadn't reached out to me. I hadn't reached out to them. No ill will, no bad feelings. Just that pandemic time had kind of further stretched. And me moving to another state had further stretched it. And then I also thought about recent meetups and gatherings that I had been to that those people hadn't been invited to. And so I realized that the two sides. And then I also just realized the pure innocence of sometimes how this happens when a group of people are hanging out together and then one person gets an idea and it's like, oh, let's go here. And there's just an understanding that the people who are at that table at the time are going to be the ones who are, in, are invited. They were at the origin of the planning. And so they might not stop to think, oh, who else should come? And so this conundrum, this deep hurt that I felt was shocking to me. I hadn't experienced that kind of heartache in, in a long time in terms of friendships. And it really, really hit me. And I've mentioned this before once or twice on the podcast, but when I'd been talking about this stretching that had been happening to my friendships over the pandemic, I was talking to my mom about it one time. And she said, you can't always wait to be invited. Sometimes you have to be the inviter. You can't always wait to be invited. Sometimes you have to be the inviter. And I thought, okay, <laughs> okay. And so this summer, and actually the last couple of years in, in general, especially since moving here to Florida, I've, I've really concentrated on being the inviter. And I thought long and hard about the relationships that I either wanted to resuscitate in order to revive them or the relationships that I needed to revisit in order to know if I needed to pull the plug on the relationship. Not cruelly, but just, okay, it was what it was, but it isn't anymore. And I really thought so much about this and why this is all so important and why in particular that 40th birthday rejection bothered me so deeply. And it comes down to this. 
I wanted to know that I mattered to those people for a time. Even if I I didn't matter anymore to them, I wanted to know that I mattered for all of those years before the rupture. I wanted to know that I was important and impactful and meaningful in their lives. And so I kind of like thought about the reunion as being like a tip of the hat, you know, like an honoring of even though our lives have gone in different directions, you were a really vital part of our lives then. And of course, they likely didn't see this 40th trip as such, but I began to see that that's why it bothered me so much to not get the invite. And so when I started thinking about being the inviter and thinking about who to invite to what and where and when, the reasoning behind it is because I wanted them to know that they mattered to me, even if our relationships might look different now because of time, space, distance. And for some of them, I wanted to know, you do still matter, even if we don't contact each other every day, week, or month. And so this past summer, I organized a meetup of some college friends. And I was nervous but excited. We met up at a restaurant. And I can't describe the giddiness that I felt upon seeing all of them. And the reason why was because they knew me at a time when new friends who I might meet this year have never known me at. So, and Laura Tremaine even talks about this in her book, The Life Council. Old friends knew a version of you that no new friend can ever know. And so upon seeing them, it was like having a reunion with a version of myself. That's what I realized. It was having a reunion with a version of myself who is fun-loving, a little wild and crazy, a little bit more carefree, someone who could laugh really easily. And seeing them brought that back out in me. And I realized that I wanted the reunion as much to see them and honor them as it was to see and honor a version of myself. So pros or credits or benefits of a reunion are to re-engage, have a reunion with a version of yourself that may long have been forgotten. And when we sat at the table, oh, we told so many jokes and, you know, references to inside jokes that we had all those years ago. And and it was so easy as if no time had passed and yet time had passed. We had within the group, there were new partners, new kids, new jobs, new residences. I mean, life had changed us and has changed us. And so we are not the same, but it got us to re-engage with that old part and then to share some of the new things that have been going on. And my eyes and my mouth hurt from laughing so hard after that evening. And I was so glad 
despite how much work it took to make that reunion happen, to get all everybody's schedules aligned, find a central spot. I was so glad that we did. And then I kind of realized, what now? What now then? We had kind of resuscitated things a bit, but then now what? And I realized that it could be what it was. It didn't mean that from here on out, we were going to re-become the best, best friends that we were in college dorm rooms and, you know, as freshmen in college all those years ago. That wasn't going to happen. But there had been an honoring and that felt really good. And in some ways, it was a form of, of temporary closure. Like until we meet again, I feel wonderful that we honored each other. We showed each other that we mattered. We re-engaged with those other versions of ourselves. And it was enough. It was enough. It doesn't have to be more than that. Like this resuscitation doesn't mean we are now, you know, stuck together for forever. And I've had other reunions with other people in recent years where I had the meetup because in my mind, all I could remember were all of the amazing things and the nostalgic things and all the goodness and I was so pining for it again. And then I have the reunion and I go, oh, I totally forgot about those annoying traits in you <laughs> that I hated. <laughs> and likely the other person remembered the annoying things about me that they couldn't stand. And after I left that meeting, I was like, I'm good I can pull the plug on that relationship. It was what it was when it was. And this was this reunion was a very helpful reminder of why we don't really talk anymore. And it erased that nostalgic, rose-colored glasses view that I had had where I only remembered the good things. So... In praise of reunions, they could either become an honoring, a reunion with your self, and or it can give clarity and necessary closure, right? And it also makes me think about when and why we don't even say yes to the reunion or we don't ignite the reunion at all. There have been times in my life, especially when I move from one state to another, as I've done a few times so far, where I have to close the door on relationships. And I can't open that door again, either at all or for some time. I kind of have to reject the reunion. I have to sadly be the rejecter. And I started thinking about why this is and why this happens because I'm such a friendship person and such a community person. It's hard to admit that at times I have been 
the rejector as much as I have been rejected. And I think it comes down to this. Sometimes it's too painful to be in transition and have not arrived yet somewhere and have witnesses to that. Glennon Doyle talked about this on her podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. They had an episode about belonging that is just so true. And I'm pretty sure they talked about this because I remember having a realization like, oh, sometimes it is difficult for other people to witness your shedding. It's difficult to have a witness when you have not yet arrived. So in a previous episode of Heart of the Story, I talked about finding new shells. And I'll put the link in the show notes to that episode. And I talked about how, like hermit crabs, oftentimes there are versions of our lives that we outgrow that just don't fit us anymore. And then we have to shed those shells and then we look for new shells. But in the meantime, we are naked. We are vulnerable. That middle ground is hard. And we don't want people to see that part. And so in the past, like when I have left a certain state or city and have had to change jobs and things, I didn't want to talk to old coworkers or old friends until I felt fully comfortable in my new job or my new space, because I didn't want to have to admit to those people, oh, it's, it's really hard right now, because then it makes me wonder, did, did I make the right decision? Should I have just stayed in that previous cohort or job or, or state? So I'm sure we have all felt this way too. It also taps into comparison culture. While I am trying to find my new way and build a certain area of my life, whether it be, you know, professionally or personally, when I'm trying to forge my own path, I can't look at what other people are doing. I need to have the blinders on. I do, I do, because otherwise it just adds more time and suffering to my path. If I'm looking around to see what everybody else is doing or what I'm missing out on, it stunts my growth and it doesn't help. So sometimes the rejection of a connection or a friendship relationship or rejection of reunions is because I just need to keep the blinders on right now. Otherwise, I'm not going to move forward at all. So that might be a reason too. And then a third reason for the rejection of a relationship or connection or why we reject a reunion is because that shell doesn't fit anymore. And you don't want to carry it with you as you're looking for the new shell. Or you more have two shells. <laughs> like that's impossible to move forward. To hold on to the previous one leaves no room for the rest, right? You can't carry both. You can't have both on your back. And it has to be done to make space 
for the new. And, and we almost don't know this, but we know subconsciously. And so I almost see it in my mind. I could see like a, a wall or shade coming down. It's like, nope, that's in the past. It was what it was. But I have to move on and in letting that go. What I'm actually doing is allowing for more space for the next thing. And I've seen this happen in my own life and I didn't even know it was happening. So when I moved to Florida, I had to disengage a little bit from old circles. And some were just stretched and then stitched back together, as Shauna Nequa says. That happened with most things. But there were a couple connections that I let go of and that I, in fact, even rejected where I, I didn't want to keep moving forward with it so that I could have space. And space I had. I decided to be an inviter. And man, did I try so much to invite last year, and it has paid off. I really made an effort to not sit back and wait for the invitation. I reached out to neighbors asking them if they wanted to go to events with me. And this was not normal or natural for me. I'm used to going places myself. I'm very independent. I like to travel alone. I like to go to events alone because I can come and go as I please. But I asked neighbors to come with me to a community gathering here or there. I reached out to certain people that I found I had a connection with and asked if they I wanted to go to coffee or for a walk. I reached out and asked people to collaborate with me on my retreats, which I've been used to leading alone by myself without any guest teachers or co-facilitators. And it has made all the difference. And a couple of weekends ago, I went on a girl's trip with a group of women that I've met here that have become very near and dear to me. And we went together to another town, to Fairhope, Alabama. And it was so beautiful to spend the weekend with them and to see how all of our different gifts mesh together. To see us together in the kitchen, you could see right away who the cooks were, not me, and then who the cleanup crew was, that's me. <laughs> you could see who loved playing games, card games and board games, me. And you could see who the people who are like, yeah, I did one and that's all I'm doing. I'm done. And that was okay. It was wonderful. It was great to not all be the same. We had a theme night where we dressed up as retired ladies of Florida. And it was hilarious, the costumes that people had. And we went out and about in the town with our, with our visors on and, and, you know, moo-moo dresses and things and capri pants. It was so funny. We had so many laughs. And it is the budding of new deep friendship that I might not have had room for had I held on to every single connection from the past especially if there wasn't as much reciprocal energy, right, with those old 
connections. If I was using all of my energy to try to revive these old relationships, I wouldn't have had the energy or time or space for the new. So I think it's a really interesting thing for you to think about. To think about when a reunion will be a wonderful honoring and a revisiting of a version of you. When a reunion might help give some closure or dispel the myth that nostalgia has brought that everything was just perfect and why isn't it perfect anymore? Why, why can't we just have this perfectness back? It might help with you remembering why a friendship has faded. And finally, giving some grace as to why you yourself might be a rejecter of a relationship, why it might be hard for you to stay in touch with someone. Giving yourself grace for that and then maybe even thinking about it on the flip side. If there's someone that has fallen out of touch with you, Maybe they are, are that naked little hermit crab trying to find their new shell and they really don't want any witnesses while they're going through the transition. Or maybe they need to keep their own blinders on so that they can forge ahead in their own path. And maybe too, what was, was. And you both need to say goodbye to the friendship so that it can leave more room for moving forward. So friends, I hope that this gave you some food for thought on friendship. Maybe share this with a friend who you do want to reunite with. You do want to honor someone maybe who you haven't spoken to in a while. The friendship has been stretched, but you want to stitch it back together in the words of Shauna Nyquist. Thank you to my friend, Michelle Rado, a wonderful partner on this podcast, my dear producer. And remember everyone, every heart has a story and every story has a heart. See you next week. Thank you.